Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to Portsmouth and Old Trafford. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores yes. for Pompey. They lead in Old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag stayed down, Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Welcome along to Three Lads in the Pub, episode 12. We are at one of our favourite pubs, the Old House at Home, and I can confirm I went to the right one this time, as did Jeff, as did Ryan. Day later than usual, uh, hectic weekend for all, uh, but we are here tonight on this Monday, ahead of Pompey's next fixture at home tomorrow. Plenty to talk about, but first let's go to uh, our... Hosts of the evening, Jeff Harris and Ryan Stillwell. How are we doing, lads? We all good? good? Thanks, yeah. Yeah, good. Ryan, you all good? Getting on with it. Yeah, I know. Well, 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 we'll tell everyone now. You're a bit under the weather, but you, you've made it in. Uh, let's go for the drinks then, Jeff. What have you gone for? Uh, Moretti. Ryan, what have you gone for? I have a pint of not alcohol Pussy. for the first time <laughs> ever. Ryan, Ryan's got podcast. antibiotics, but I took man up pills for my sore throat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm only I'm only calling you a pussy. I'm a law-abiding citizen because uh, I got rinsed when I order a, order a yeah, diet. I'm, I'm on antibiotics at the moment, so it is a pint of Coke for tonight's shenanigans. Well, get well soon, mate. I know it's. Uh, it's well, a- I am better than I was. I was worried at first I wasn't actually going to make forest green at all. I mean, uh, that would have been a shame. That, that um, would have been a but shame. But you wish you hadn't. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very much relieved we got a win. How was and the it burgers? Was, <laughs> I didn't get... Actually, there is, uh, to, to dispel them, if there is actually a meat burger van near the ground, they just don't publicise it <laughs> at all. I was at least relieved that we won and it was a new ground to tick off. Yeah. Hopefully I never have to go there again. <laughs> uh, but more on that later. But yeah, I made it. I'm feeling somewhat better. But for now... Um, 
uh, erring on the side of caution. I've seen a lot of um, Pompey fans that went say they probably never want to do it again. I did see a couple of fans dress up as rashes of bacon and stuff. Yeah. That was quite that was quite hilarious. Uh, meat, sorry. I was expecting certain Pompey fans I know to rock up at the new lawn, basically with their coat, their their coat sleeves and their coat uh, coat inside pockets stuffed with like packs of Richmond Turn sausages. Turn up like Lady Gaga at the, yeah. at the Grammys. <laughs> and I just expected I just expect like half an hour in sausages to be flying <laughs> all over the pitch, but no. But yeah, uh, let, let's start with that game then. Obviously. Uh, actually, we start. No, let's talk about Charlton first because, um, yeah, <laughs> me and Jeff were lucky enough to watch it from our the comfort of our living rooms. Me, how did the uh, alternative? Yeah, let's go? move on from that. Actually, um, din, <laughs> absolute din. No, no he- I saw the Twitter comments as I was walking into the valley saying there was something about a delay. Right. So, so, so. Someone, <laughs> someone was thirty-five seconds behind. I was a minute behind at one a point. A minute behind. Yeah. So I had to. So he's talking about something. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? That was like, we're, we're a minute and a half into the game. What, 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 you, what, what you want about? So I had to pause my my Sky TV for him to catch up to unpause it, and then he was like two seconds ahead of me. I was watching it on a moody stream. So. <laughs> Conor Ogilvy's got a throw in and Liam's there going oh, for fuck's sake it's 2-0 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was a bit behind but then I came up with a genius plan for Jeff to pause his current uh, viewing Can I just say this yeah no I'm just, I'm just repeating what you yeah <laughs> I'm, mate, I'm half asleep but he's, still, know, he's still he's behind seconds behind <laughs> <laughs> But no, that, that was so what, what happened. So what was the listening experience like for everyone who was watching it in real I mean, time? We had some good, I mean, well, some people said they've had enough of listening to Sky, so they tuned <laughs> in to us. Was it Gary Weaver on call? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This club! <laughs> no, we did do that. We did do that. No, we had some good feedback. I mean, I mean, we... we we didn't really know what we were doing. We just winged it, didn't we? Um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't pure commentary, like you know, yeah, Ogre, alternative Ogre, commentary. Ogre, yeah. Ogre, Ogre, going down the right. It was like, for fuck's sake, that what's he it. doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't great viewing, was it? Um, it always seems to be the case, though, when Pompey play on TV, that we end up showing ourselves up. But what was your analysis of it, Ryan? I thought the first ten minutes of that Charlton game, we were quite bright. We were getting into their final third we weren't necessarily getting shots off on goal but we were certainly getting into promising attacking positions attacking opportunities there was the colby bishop header which uh it's a smart save from the goalkeeper but ultimately it's an expected one because it is a header from a fair distance out down the center of the goal but it was certainly a a confidence boost to the players and the fans in the opening 10 minutes that all right at least we're we're testing the goalkeeper early on and then that was it a switch flipped we could no longer generate anything in the final third every time we went forward we'd run into a brick wall Charlton on the turnover were extraordinary the physicality from all their players the pure speed from all of their players you turn the ball over 30 yards from Charlton's goal and it's 30 yards from Pompey's goal within seconds seconds we were unable to live with it, and from that point onward, we got bullied in every single aspect of the game. Like the first goal is pure bullying. People suggesting it's a foul on Morrison. It no, not in the slightest. Should have done better. Ryan Innes really doesn't have to do all that much to ragdoll Morrison the whole way across think, the penalty box. Morrison felt the hands on his back and went, "I'm going down here." Yeah, I went down. But and- you can't rely on that. No. We're, I'm not sure Raggett was doing. I didn't really spot it at first because when I saw the trajectory of the ball as it left 
the boots, I knew it was going straight to the back post. It was only when I watched it back that Raggett seemed to misjudge the flight of the ball because he was alone in the centre of the box and he watched it and then he backpedals at the last second, I think realising that he's he's undersold where the ball's going. So he's whiffed on it entirely. Morrison, you just got to stand up better than that. On a, <laughs> You can't rely on the referee to give a foul that you would complain about the other way if it was given, if that makes sense. If you complain about the other way, you can't rely on yourself getting that foul. You've got to win your one-on-one battles at the back post for a head of, what, six yards out? Yeah. And I know people want to blame Griffiths for that going. What I would say about Griffiths for that goal is I don't think it's one of those shots where you you dive knowing where the ball goes. So you, you your hand placement is you know where the ball's going. It's whether or not you can make it there in time. There's no way you can do that because the ball's that too close. The only thing I'd say about Griffiths is when a shot's coming you at that close, you just make yourself big. You instinctively make yourself as wide as you can and hope that it hits some part of you. I think that's the only thing he hasn't done there. But on the list of players responsible for that goal, he's way down in like fifth, sixth, seventh. I would argue he should have been in that position into, in the first place. The ball into the box is far too easy. Raggett, again, whiffs on it. Morrison's far too easily bullied out of the way by Innes. There's like half a team of Pompey players you can go at before Griffiths for that one. So I thought that was weird to criticise him for that. Uh... Yeah, and then from that point, Charlton never looked back. We never looked forward. Exactly. Look, I've said for a couple of weeks now, I thought we were soft at crosses. Um, and it was interesting that Clark Robson came out after that game and said, we, 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 we've become soft. And that, that was based on that last-minute winner at Ipswich. You look at the goal that was conceded um, against Fleetwood. Again, it was soft in the air. Now... You know, the Charlton manager comes out before the game and he's saying, we've we've highlighted a few areas to try and hurt, hurt Portsmouth. And they knew, they knew that if they went down our and tacked our full-backs and got them on the wrong foot, on the wrong side, it'll be an uncomfortable evening for them. They knew if they whipped those quick crosses in, in into the back post, they knew we were going to be soft in the air. Listen, fair play to Charlton. They came out and they, they've done their homework. We, we said... Look, you'll get away with playing that back four in those positions once, maybe twice. Going into the fourth game in a row, and I get it as a case of needs must, but the warning signs, the warning signs were there during that Plymouth game. Now the Cowleys, Simon Bassey, the whole management team did not heed those warnings. The whole, I would say, the whole of Fatton Park could see it. Maybe the Cowdies did know it. No, they're intelligent guys. They definitely, they definitely knew it. But whether it was a case of necessity or stubbornness, they've got it wrong on that night. Uh, two things based on what you said. Number one, um, when you say, was it out of necessity? I can understand them asking the question, was it out of necessity? And I'm also acutely aware that hindsight is correct every time. Based on the second half Zach Swanson had at the Valley... And then the 90 minutes he had at the new lawn, I don't think it was out of necessity. Zach Swanson was steady. More, was he yeah. good? Probably not. I wouldn't say he was good in either but game, he in the, but he, he was he steady. Got in the right position. He was, and he, and he got, got done what yeah, he had to the, do. The basic job he was told to do in the second half of the valley and it, over the 90 minutes of the new lawn, he did his job. 
we'll talk about Forest Green later, but the one thing we'll highlight now, considering we'll talk about him, is Swanson made one big error at Forest Green. He gave the ball away pretty much 20 yards from goal out by the touchline. But he then covered his ass for his own error by getting the ball out of play by winning the tackle straight away. Yes, Forest Green get a corner as a result, but that Swanson making an error, getting the ball out of play, and it allows everyone to reorganise. It could have been a lot worse. But over the course of 135 minutes of Swanson playing right back, I don't think it was out of necessity that uh, that Ogilvy had to play there for three, four games in a row. Now, I know Forest Green are far different to Plymouth, but Swanson against Charlton in the second half, when we were pushing, when for five, ten minutes it looked like we were starting to get back into it, when the game opened up, even when Charlton was still going on their counter-attacks at that point, he still didn't look entirely out of his depth. No. He didn't look like he was a problem area for us. So I think it's the one that they'll definitely look back on and regret. And then, as you mentioned, playing out of position, the way Charlton <coughs> used their efficiency. I liken a, wrong, I liken a player playing on the wrong side to driving a car on the wrong side of the road your, your feet instinctively like if you've ever driven in Europe I've, I've driven in Belgium your feet instinctively uh, if you're driving in a car on the different side with the wheels on the different side it's the same thing or even if you're in your UK car driving on a different road you still instinctively look you know the opposite ways now, when you've got guys on that chant team like Blackett Taylor, Sessignon, they are going at you. Yeah, and they're going at you at high speed. <coughs> what The time it takes to do one action as a right back, so if the ball comes across your body and you send it up the line with the right foot to clear it quickly before they close you down, that's just one action. But if you're, if you're a left back at right back, that's two actions because instinctively you want to get it on your left foot, your preferred foot, to get it half the pitch as you can. So Ogilvy's then either got to pivot his body back towards his left side and clear it, or switch it from his right foot back to his left foot and clear it. And all the while, you've got these absurdly quick physical players closing you down, who they were hungry as well, it, Charlton. Ogilvy was a different player second half against Charlton. Yeah. Totally different. Far more comfortable. And it didn't help Getting that... forward. It didn't help that Ogilvy inside needs a steady performance. So... Morrison dropping his worst po 45 minutes for Pompey so far also didn't help. No. And the fact that we're listing all of these names, like so far we've listed Robertson for Charlton, we've listed Raggett for Charlton, we've listed Morrison for Charlton, we've listed Ogilvy for Charlton. We haven't even gotten to the midfield yet. Like Marlon Pack, we still haven't even discussed. Oh, the amount of players who dropped challenge, absolute stinkers on Monday. I think the whole team. It's absurd. I mean, apart from the substitutions, which we'll get to in a second. So yeah. just to go back, you're comparing Ogilvy's performance in that first half to... Um, to someone driving on the wrong hand side of the road in Paris. But, uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> because everything you're used to, you have to flip straight away. I just like the comparison. And you have to do it in a, in a pressure situation. Because yeah. if you get it wrong driving a car, you're going to crash the damn That's thing. That's a good analysis, that is. I like it. I think he actually said Belgium. But, you know. But, you know <laughs> this, uh, I did have to remind my dad of this once. A quick anecdote. Uh, we went to Belgium in 2018 because my great great granddad served in world war one and we actually found where he's buried just outside ypres so we thought on uh, in january uh, 2018 100 years to the day after he died 
in the third battle of Ypres, we would go out and stand by his grave and pay our respects. What well, exactly 100 years to the day? So me, my dad, my granddad, we all went out there, and uh, my dad drove us, and we came out of Ypres one morning, and dad, my dad naturally went onto his side of the road now it was early and we'd only just got to belgium and i just went leaned over in the pasture went dad we're in belgium <laughs> and he goes oh yes and he just casually corrects himself to the right side of the road but if you've ever seen only fools and horses where they go to miami and they get in the camper van and Dell drives out to the wrong side of the road it was pure <laughs> it was the same thing that happened to me in spain we we're on holiday and a uh, guy that lives over here he's also got a house over in spain and he's got an english car over there so it's right hand drive and we met him at this little uh, little cafe and he pulls out and he's instantly on the left-hand side of the road. All of a sudden, you just see it go, oh, shit. <laughs> he just <laughs> jumps into the right-hand side. Well, was, yeah, that was funny. But yeah, that, that's easily what we dealing with the first half. It now. is easily done. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And but, then the, uh, the second half. Yeah, this is there, there were five, ten minutes, actually, where I thought, there's some huffing and puffing here, and we can actually get a Charlton. I think that second goal, though, was the sucker punch. Oh, that second goal. I mean, Karoma... How many times? How many times did we give the ball away yeah. in unforced error situations? Karoma has. How many times options. have we done he, that? He, he's got so many options, and yet he's he's <laughs> he tried the Hollywood the ball. He's tried the Hollywood ball to switch it, and you're like, "What are you doing?" I, yeah. I actually I think that's that, when yeah. I actually said, "What the fuck?" And, was I, that? and I don't yeah. accept people saying Ogilvy's yeah, out I'm just of position about to say for this. that Charlton goal. They were saying that on Sky. What, how are you? Is Ogilvy? Are you? Are you <laughs> expecting Karoma with the plethora of options he has around him? to do the one thing that leads to the unbelievable Charlton counter-attack. If we had, if we had obviously brought the ball forward with Cromer and, and Ogilvy was right back, he'd be screaming at him to get forward. Exactly. He was no, I, he was in no I, wrong I, there. I did that say, was all on Cromer. I did say when we were doing our alternative comms that Ogilvy was out of position, but I think he was out of position because he was trying to join the attack exactly. and yeah. trying to build, and he's pushing into that half yeah. space. On Sky, they were saying he was out of position, but I was like, well, he wasn't, though, was he? <laughs> but you're not he expecting was... your teammate with to, to fucking give the ball away. For, oh, to find the only Charlton player between uh, the sea of yeah, eight that was all, players. Yeah. That, yeah. Without um, picking out players, that was all on Karoma. And, and I'm not going to. You could see the reaction, because uh, obviously the Sky cameras would have panned a chance celebrating, but from our viewpoint, we can see everything in the away and you can see the players and even the manager trying to get Karoma to you know lift his head up because he knew he'd fucked it up that yeah. badly that second goal I, I didn't think there was any coming back from really again people were still going for Griffiths again he shouldn't be in that position in the first place alright he probably could do a the bit better is, but he shouldn't be put in that position if that's Pompey if that's uh, Scarlett one on one and he doesn't score it who are you blaming Scarlett Exactly. So why is it why is it Scarlett's fault if he misses, but the keep yeah. No, normally because if a, if a keeper makes a mistake, it results in the goal. But I don't think that was a mistake. He, he was a Griffiths it, did not make a mistake. How at all many there. times? How many times have I said Griffiths needs an experienced goalkeeper coaching him in those one v one situations? Yeah, I said it's all is he. We say it every fucking week. But this goes back to what I said <laughs> for the first goal. When, you, when you've got a shot that close, you don't know where it's going. He has absolutely no idea if it's going down the near post, the far post, or through him. The only big. thing you can do in that situation is make yourself as wide as possible and see what happens. It was actually a good and finish. Every, because he gets nutmegged, everyone goes it's his fault. Yeah. But if he keeps his legs together and the ball goes right beside... He's going to get blamed for it anyway. The only thing you can do in that situation when you you don't know, if you don't see the shot coming from 
you know, 20 yards when you can actually dive out to reach at it. You just have to make yourself big. Yeah. The fact that we've given the ball away in that location, they've gone on the quick counter-attack, that's just him being hung out to dry. It was, it, it, you can't take it away from Blackett Taylor. It was a great finish. It was composed. Yeah. It was and again, if, if a Pompey player is missing that, we blame the Pompey player. Exactly so that. So we therefore shouldn't blame the keeper Second half. the other way around. Second half, this is where... Well, we made three subs, didn't we? Two straight away, which I wasn't expecting. I don't think anyone was expecting him to make changes at half-time. I thought we would thought at least give it a few minutes. Um, but Swanson and, and Jacobs came on. Jacobs, for me, changed, we said it on the alternative commentary, <laughs> Jacobs changed the game. Uh, but then just... <laughs> just can't write it, can Famous you? last words, because the <sighs> previous podcast, I've said I wasn't buying that he had a hamstring injury because the way he was warming up in the previous game. So it's your fault. Yeah. What, what, what have I always said about Michael Jacobs? I like a, him. He's made of a cracker. But for 46 games, yeah. you don't get Michael Jacobs. You get it. You get him for 25, 20. This is the story. This is the narrative. And I, I feel bad for him because he is obviously a good player and he is obviously a game changer when he can play. But that is the operative problem right there. I, I saw people on social media saying um, it, it was it was criminal offering Jacobs a, a new deal. I went, it's a pay as you play. We don't yeah, lose if, anything if by... If we offered him a straight up four We don't lose anything by him being years. injured. The yeah. incentives on him to put performances in training to play. I was like... Go take your heads for a shit or something. You know, <laughs> take your heads for a shit. I've never heard that one. I've heard that. It's, it's a normally, great military term. I've, I've normally heard it in a Scottish accent, but <laughs> you know. But I was just like, come on. Yeah. Okay, it, it's unfortunate, and you can see, you can see the, you know, Danny Cowdy going. Oh, oh, he was clearly fed up with the injuries after the game. Uh, yeah. You know, but look, it's, I, it, you, you could have put, you could have put. Josh Oluwemi on that left wing and he would have done better than Josh Karoma. <coughs> yeah, and that, that goes back to the Plymouth game where I said that Karoma doesn't get a free pass. I just want to say uh, Oluwemi's name. Uh, yeah, you, you, you were very proud of yourself then. <laughs> uh, not Plymouth. What's that? Uh, Fleetwood is what I was on about. He doesn't get a free pass purely because he scored. The number of chances you have at your disposal overall versus to the output of it, like that second half chance where... Karoma's bursting down in the box. There's one defender in the box. There's a Pompey player in the box. Yeah. He passes to the one defender. It's the same. It's the same with the Charlton second goal. It's it's really it's cost us in on a huge situation. On his strong foot there. as well. On his strong foot. I mean, the only players who really get to walk away from that first half with any credibility, <laughs> top of the list, I would have said was Dale. At least he was trying to to flip defence into attack and drive things forward a bit. The substitutes were by far the most effective. I thought Rico, Mingi, Swanson all came on and offered a lot more energy, a lot more enthusiasm into the play. They weren't willing to give up the fight for any means. Even when we went, when we went down to 10 men, I saw Rico battling away. And, ah, oh, the red card, I mean... Uh, Head loss. It's, it's a frustrated, tired, like Jeff said, tackle... But for a man of, I mean, I guess they all do it because you see it in the Premier League. But for a man of his experience in high divisions, knowing his importance to the side. Oh, Pat. And knowing you're already on a yellow. Yeah. Oh, dearie me. Yeah. S silly, silly stuff. And considering what he also knew 
our limitations in midfield with the current injuries that we have. Lowry out. Morella picked up a knock. Louis Thompson's still way down the road from playing again. Tony Cliff is barely match fit. Jay Mingy, there's still a question mark over his match fitness. More on that in a minute. Pack goes into that challenge, surely aware of the ramifications of what happens. And yeah, it all, you all of a sudden look ahead to Forest Green the moment that challenge just makes you think, well, who the hell plays in central midfield on Saturday? Yeah, it was silly. I mean, that, that whole night was silly. Let's put it behind us. Should we move on to Forest Green? We're 25 minutes in. We're still on yeah. shall we? <laughs> uh, Forest Green then. Um, I've asked you how the grub was. Did you, did you get a burger outside, you say? Uh, no, I, I know a couple of people that did go to the actual burger van. Don't know why I, that's a relevant question. I mean, obviously it's well known I, I had a vegan sausage roll. I bet that was actually quite nice, though. Do you know what? They're, they're, they're okay. Uh, the, the, one, the, the one they do at Fratton's, bang him. Yeah. Try that, honestly. Yeah, Unbelievable. I, I had a vegan sausage roll um, because I, I just... I was sorting my daughter out that morning before I, before I left for Forest Green. I forgot to sort my own damn breakfast out. So I, I got a vegan sausage roll and a can of water. More on that later. So you tell him vegan? No, I just needed... <laughs> I, I needed some form of sustenance. I mean, I would have gone and, for that as well. That's a great shout. But Forest Green has an away day... Uh, to describe it to those who may be f familiar with other grounds, it has the facilities of Oxford. So there's nothing to do and nothing nearby. It has there's the a bowling alley. It has the actually yeah, Oxford's got more than Forest Green then. Laser Quest, Craw <laughs> Crawley then. It has the away stand of Accrington, a concrete slab with no roof. It has the driving logistics of Plymouth, so it's a windy, annoying. Drive. Jeff's summing it up for us perfectly there by yawning. And I honestly wish I was making the next part up. Livestock in the streets. <laughs> if you do not believe me, go on Jordan Cross's Twitter. Yeah. Bullshit. A full adult-sized bull, bollocks and all, walking down the road. Now, I know they have a different approach to animals in that part of the world, but why the fuck have they got driving licenses and mortgages? I could not believe that which I was seeing. The, the most stupid thing... I'm getting annoyed thinking about it now. <laughs> most stupid thing is we're driving into the village next to Nailsworth, Minchinhampton, and you, you, it's clearly farmland. You've clearly got walls separating the various livestock, but there were cows on the wrong side of the walls. They were sat on the side of the road. Sounds like kind of rogue But only... Our, it was about yeah. 200 <laughs> yards after you pass the cows on the side of the road you have a sign saying, warning, cows in this area. <laughs> Why well, needed that half a mile back, you fucking idiot? <laughs> like, I nearly, I nearly turned your, your, your roommate into lunch. <laughs> so Ryan's takeaway from the game at Forest Green is Wait, that an actual takeaway. takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I, I so what's, sincerely what's you, what hope... What do you think the rules are on if you hit one? Do you think the person behind you can take it? Or do you think you can take it? <laughs> Oh, and the, the size of it, they breed them well yeah. over there. But, but apart yeah. from that, how was the interesting. I mean, heading into the game, I, I was still considering who plays. I know Cowley said that Rafferty and Lowry might be available, which clearly meant they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering who on, off, who on earth starts this one. Mingi and Tunnicliffe starting in central midfield was a concern. Not that I necessarily doubt them. But as a partnership, it's very much untested in League One against the Forest Green side who severely 
needed a win. Jay Mingy in the first half, he's clearly not match fit yet because that man was blowing out of every orifice by half time. But while there are players who can turn the ball from 30 yards away from their own goal to 30 yards from the opponent's goal via the use of their passing, Jay Mingy is one of the only Pompey players, if not the only player, maybe outside of Rico when he's got it onto his left foot who can turn defence into attack purely by running. Mingi gets on the ball. He ragdolls players out of the way. He drives up the field. Like, the second half of Charlton, how many players were fouling him? Yeah. Every time he got on the ball, they were scything him down. Same was in the first half of Forest Green. It, it was, it's, he's fun to watch when he gets on the ball in his own half because he immediately wants to drive forward. Sometimes he, the end product is questionable, but to, to see him drive forward, he immediately takes the pressure off the defence, he immediately asks the question of the other side and can cause a bit of chaos. <clears throat> it, it, was, it was never going to be a fun game with our, with our absences. The only thing we need to do, four games without a win, a fucking on Monday night, we just need to win. Just need to win. And outside of a couple of Luke McGee brilliant saves, that one from Bishop's a brilliant save. In the first seven minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. It was a bit of a crap game. It was gritty. Turnovers on both sides. A lot was missed on both sides by the officials. Yeah. Towards the end, they were banging on the door far too much. Was concerned at the end. But we won. I, I was saying to Liam before he, before he came in, we had two main objectives on Saturday. That was to keep a clean sheet and to win. And to win by any means possible and yeah. I think we've done that it was never going to be like you said it was never going to be pretty it was going to be a bitty game you know you're missing Morel you're missing you know you're missing Pack. you're missing Lowry there's three of your main starters at that midfield gone now it was a bit of a surprise that Tundercliffe came in obviously Morel's got a bit, bit of a back issue Pack will be back for tomorrow so you assume it will be Pack and Mingy tomorrow but look you know we had enough. There were, there were players out there that had an opportunity to show their worth to their team. I think Curtis missed his opportunity, um, but that's understandable. Look, the whole the whole team didn't really have a great game. Curtis done what he had to do. Piggott again. Piggott had opportunities to score, lay it off, set set players up, and and people were, in my opinion wrong to criticise the likes of Curtis um, Piggott you know those players who came in who because every single player didn't have a great game apart from Jay Mingy in the first half he was unplayable you know he was a standout performer Tunnicliffe just ticked things over um, and, and that but look it, it, it was a frustrating game we did what we needed to do we picked up a much needed three points um and and it builds some confidence. It builds some. It it stops the rot and and starts hopefully building some momentum. Oxford Oxford will be you know we, we should be beating Oxford by two clear goals tomorrow, but we know we know what Oxford are, are, are capable. Brannigan in midfield will always be a threat. So you need you need Marlon Pack to be you know Marlon. I fully expect Marlon Pack to come back tomorrow and have a point to prove. And, and put in a performance because he knows he knows how much of a mistake that was. Now Packy Mingi, 
that's got that's wetting my lips that is <laughs> because you know Marlon Pack getting on the ball displaying Jay Mingy driving forward at the moment we've kind of seen Mingy having to be that that number six Danny calls I like to call him fours be that holding midfield player I like to see Mingy with the, with the leash let off him a little bit and go get on the ball let, let someone else worry about getting the ball and friending it through to you. Go out there and express yourself and show what you can do in the attacking third rather than worrying about the, you know, the defensive third. The way he runs at players, if he can keep him fit, what a bloody asset that is. Yeah, he, I mean, he, isn't it mad a player that was trying to sue us is now one of our <laughs> favourite players? He, he definitely definitely needs turn out, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is funny how they work out. But he I'd, definitely needs to work on match fitness. He's clearly not up to the... League One 90 minute standard yet, but it's there's also par- perfectly rational Unless, uh, explanations as to why because he's he's never played league football for that amount of time, so that that's something I believe he'll get. But what he can do in the meantime, certainly as an impact player, is is very useful to us. Yeah. And it was one of the few things that ticked us over in the first half uh, against Forest Green. It's a, it's a great it's a great ball in and a great header from Raggett for the goal, and yes we did have a couple of good chances alongside that, the McGee save from Bishop, the save right at the end where Bishop and Scarlett seem oh. to get mixed up between who's actually going to take Scarlett was the fuming, kick. Wasn't he it? was fuming, yeah. yeah. Scarlett's free header from six yards out, they somehow Should've puts scored, wide. Yeah. So there, there were good chances to make it more than one nil, and then on the other side, Griffiths only had one shot on goal to face. Yeah. Yes, they got into our box a few times but they never generated shots for Griffiths to save in mass but that whole game was the ball felt really the ball felt really unpredictable because there were a lot of players taking touches that were far too heavy and then there'd be ricochets deflections second ball it was it was just a poor gritty game to watch I, I, I don't it wasn't think, no. I don't think the viewing experience helped you know we stood on the side of the pitch with no roof we're all crammed in it's raining but I, it, yeah it just wasn't a great spectacle but again I, I've said before I honestly don't care how Pompey win like I, I just want us to win yeah. and especially in the circumstance of where we've been recently I, I was more than happy to find a win at Forest Green no matter how it came and the fact that no, what I walked out of Forest Green afterwards saying was my was my evaluation of the game uh Influenced by the fact that Forest Green is an awful away day and an awful of viewing experience, it was only when I read Cowley's post-match and all the reports from <coughs> the news, Solent, things like that, I was like, oh, okay, it was a crap game to watch because even Cowley said we could play a lot better than that. Moon was saying we can, you know, it was scrappy and was nowhere near our best. But as it pertains to one game where the central midfield pairing that ended the game was Conor Rovey playing his second ever game at Central Midfield. The first one was away to Fleetwood last season when Sean Williams pulled his back half an hour before the game started. And, and we told him, I'll give you good luck. And the other Central Midfielder was a guy we tried to send to Australia in a shipping container and Ryan Tunnicliffe. <laughs> That's the pair that ended the game against Forest Green. And we won with a clean sheet. Yeah. I don't care if Forest Green is shit. They're still in League One with us. And to end a game with that midfield and a 1-0 victory... <coughs> Every day. From my perspective, I don't really usually give my opinion on a, on a game. I sort of just ask you to see the questions. But watching it, yes, it was boring. It wasn't pleasing on the eye. But 
it was a professional win. If you watched how we played, I hate that term. No, but it was. They're professional footballers. No, but no, they're professional look, footballers. Yeah, this, is why, this is why I don't have a fucking talk. They're professional <laughs> yes, footballers. Yes, I know. But so it, of course he's going to be professional. You din. <laughs> but then again, do you want to hear my fucking opinion or not? Would you have ascribed the term professional to Monday showing? No. No, it was... The moaning and the was, bickering and the essentially giving up halfway through the first half. That was pub team. Yeah. I, I, just, I just thought the way we... If you watched how we played, we, we, we held the ball well. We were trying to draw Forest Green and we just... We just yeah, there was a lot of hatred for that. We, but we controlled the game. Yeah. It when wasn't we were, pleasing when we were to playing watch, it along but the back, it was clever. Uh, about halfway through the second half, when we were rolling it along the back, there was a lot of angst for it in the away stand. I can imagine... But the thing is, Forest Green were playing narrow back five, all very much in line. The, the perception from our side is we're 1-0 up here and we've got half an hour to go. At some point, Forest Green have to come out of their shell. So if we keep moving the ball around patiently, surely at some point they have to come at us from a defensive point of view. In all honesty, they never really did. They never really did get to pressing us defensively even with 20 minutes to go and we're on the ball we were still rolling it around they're still waiting only when they were on the ball did they actually come at us so i can understand the rolling at the back again it's not great to watch but i can understand the plan behind it it's professional <laughs> no i just look i look, if i was there i'd probably be exactly the same but i'm just glad we got we got the win at the end of the day and, and tw twitter pissed me off it was uh, like we lost i i as, as ryan says you only get three points for a win yeah, that, that, that's the other thing I wanted to raise. Um, actually, no, no, uh, that's for later. Sorry, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind though, because that will come up later. But as it, as it pertains to the game on Saturday, I've always said you need to find different ways to win, or you need to find different routes to goal. You know, when we couldn't score from a cross or a set piece for like a year or two, it really hampers the routes you have to go because if teams know you can't score from set pieces or you can't score from crosses they stop closing you down out wide which means they get to narrow off the center of the pitch which takes away which takes away the thing you are good at which might be going through the middle it makes it even harder for you to do the, the thing you're good at if you haven't got another a series of good things to do outside of that so us rolling the ball around at the back trying to draw a back five of forest green out who have 25 minutes to go don't seem that asked about losing I, I get it I you know I get it but at the end we won it didn't necessarily feel like that walking out of the ground with some of the comments I heard but I, I can confirm we did win I had one comment on Twitter saying um, I'm sick of the negative tactics and the, the the negative substitutes and the approaches and I'm sick of the way we win games when we had to beat Forest Green by a set piece I'm sorry, do set pieces not count anymore? Do set pieces not count as goals anymore? Well, if that's the case, good fucking news, because when we lost the 2010 FA Cup final at Chelsea, it was 1-0, and it was via a free kick. So what we need to do is get all 22 players back on the field from 2010, they're a bit older now, and say, that's disallowed, you can't score a free kick in a cup final, where's your fucking integrity? 0-0, play on, we win that. I'm fairly sure Italy's equaliser in the final of the Euros at Wembley was from a corner, was it not? That's a set piece. How dare you score a set piece in a final? 
What's fucking wrong with you? You're meant to be Italy. You're meant to be good at football. England win the Euros 1-0 because you can't score from a set piece. We're all running around Portsmouth with our genitalia hanging out. The country goes fucking berserk. Brilliant. <laughs> set pieces count. Oh, we're not very good at defending them at the moment. <laughs> what a moan about anything. Well, can I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually. Right. Two, two of the Charlton goals were set pieces. Exactly, yeah. lost 1-0. That defeat looks a lot better on paper now. <laughs> I don't know what everyone was moaning about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Should we move on to the next game? We've covered Forest Green, Charlton. Next one. Uh, if you're listening to this, more than likely it will be uh, the day of the game, which is, let's just say tonight, Tuesday. Uh, Oxford. I know we've briefly spoken about it. Not having the best of seasons so far. I don't want to no. jinx things. Jeff, I'll come to, you, come to you on this one. Yeah, they're not, they're not the Oxford we're used they're to seeing, are they? They're, they're, they're not having the, the you know the, the rubber the green at the moment and and that but look they're going to be up for it tomorrow Shame, night I really feel sorry for their manager I like him a lot he, look, he, he he's a cock yeah but um <laughs> like I said you really caused the system reboot there <laughs> yeah. like I said earlier Cameron Brannigan will be a threat from central midfield Matty Taylor's uh, suspended I believe he got a straight red on he Saturday did. and the appeal has been unsuccessful there you go so he does miss out does that mean he gets when it's unsuccessful do you get an extra game is that right uh, you, I think he used to so he would have had a free game ban anyway because it's a straight red <laughs> and if it, if it is unsuccessful you do you used to get an extra I game I don't recall that happening to Morrell I don't recall Morel uh, missing four games. That's true. Are uh, yeah. you sure? I'll have to look up that anyway, one. Up. He was injured anyway, so... And Oxford you know. fans are moaning about it. Oh, you're moaning Karma. about a, a red card being unsuccessfully appealed. But anyway... Join look, the club. It'll be, it'll be a, a, as we know, Fratton Park under the lights is always a good affair. Pompey, will, will, the, the Pompey fans will be right at it. Now, this Pompey team need to put a performance in the first 20 minutes they really will because if they if it's if it's a half-assed effort in the first 20 minutes that team will get it from all four sides of, of fat and park there's there's pompey fans in the middle and end so i've included the middle and end in that you know are the, they season ticket holders <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> I, I i don't condone booing if it is a poor 20 minutes and they come off at half time nil nil or whatever i don't condone the booing boo, um, booing if there is going to be booing, there is. But look, that, that whatever starting eleven goes out there tomorrow, need to come out of the blocks. And they need to come out of the blocks and get, I always say it, early goal. Get an early goal, that means Oxford have got to come out. Oxford are bang out of form at the moment. Yeah, okay, they're picking up wins every now and again. They get, they're getting the odd draw. But if we, if we can just play with a really high press, really high intensity come out get an early goal and say the first 15 minutes they've got to come out and if we can sustain that and we go 2-0 up before half time there's only going to be one winner in that game they really will but if this Pompey team do not turn up tomorrow they are going to know about it at half time and they will certainly know about it at full time yeah as, as I said walking out from Forest Green the reaction certainly did not feel like that of a Pompey team that had just won a league one game if we're getting to the stage where we're now starting to criticise the wins and we're now looking solely at whether or not this team plays well, yeah, we need to get in Oxford's faces tomorrow. I know I know that Oxford have previously come back from the proverbial dead in the division 
I think the year, I think the COVID year, they were down with Blackpool, and, and around about the same time they both made their way shooting up the league. That was obviously the year Blackpool got promoted. So they've they've done it before, and they've done it later than this point. But we're not playing them when they're good tomorrow. We're not playing them when they're shooting their way up the table right now. We're playing them now. We're playing them in you know what twenty four hours. We have to take advantage of a weak Oxford side, an Oxford side that will be missing Matty Taylor. We can't talk about, well, Oxford will come good at some point. We got, you, we're playing them when they're shit. <laughs> Jeff's looking at me like I've been really naughty and he's agreeing <laughs> with you. As, as, you're, as you're saying, he's looking at me like, yeah, see, naughty boy. <laughs> Look, I, I've, I've just got one player in my mind who's going to put in a performance tomorrow. And I, I said it against earlier, just about five screen. People was, were moaning about Curtis. Ronan Curtis loves playing against Oxford. He loves playing. He, if he starts tomorrow, we will see a performance from Roman Curtis. It'll be a professional performance. From <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And how the turns have tabled. I th- yeah, I think with Oxford, I mean, looking at, looking at their re- recent results, the 2-1 defeat against Peterborough on Saturday, there is probably a way back into it if Taylor doesn't get sent off right after they pull one goal back into it. Because they were, they fell 2-0 down after half an hour. Billy Bowden makes it 1-2 on the 50th minute. Five minutes later, Taylor's gone. Like us at Charlton, that just kills the momentum for the rest of the game. Nice 4-2 win at Exeter prior to that. They have... But then there's crap results on there, like losing to MK Dons at home. I mean, they're in trouble, aren't they? I Right. I do not understand how MK Dons have fucked up this badly. You said they were going to win the league a few years ago. Yes, but that was when they had good players. I was joking. What what I don't understand (laughs) is how they've offloaded so many good players. Um, There was the central midfielder they sold to Celtic in January for, I believe it was a seven-figure sum. The name's out of my head at the moment. Obviously, they got four million out of the Scott Twine deal. They had Matt Sorinola go to Europe, I believe. They've raked in a lot of transfer income in the past year or two and somehow they have failed to reinvest any of it into players that are producing differentials right now how they find themselves where they are really is is uh, shocking it, it, if we're looking back at results and and like Ryan says if we're criticising wins at the moment we need to look at some of the draws we've picked up and look at Okay, people bemoaned drawing one all with Fleetwood. <laughs> Who did Fleetwood beat the other day? Yeah. Who did they beat? That that one all draw, all of a sudden, doesn't look so bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I, they also, but I, kept, I was saying this from the start anyway, because they, they'd already beaten Plymouth. They'd already beaten Peterborough. They'd already drawn with Derby. And I'm, I'm pretty sure every single week on this podcast since the Lincoln game, I've mentioned people booing at the Lincoln game. They beat Ipswich at, at Portman Road. We didn't do that. We didn't even get a point there. And we booed a nil-nil draw with them. Like, sometimes stubborn teams do stubborn things and get stubborn results. I don't know what to tell you if you haven't figured that out by now. You've been watching we, League 2 and League 1 football long enough. We do not have a right to win every game. No, but these people have been watching League 2 and League 1 football long enough to, to know that it's not always that cut and dry. Stubborn teams will sometimes pull off stubborn results. And that's that's the way it is. That's football. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is if football. If you're going to lose. And 
It's a good way the, to the, lose. The other point I'll keep making, and I'll make it until I'm six feet under. Forty-six is a lot. Uh, Forty-six games is so long. It's so long. You're not always going to get the same outcome in football every time. It's not like a simulation where you can pump in all the variables and you'll get the same predicted outcome every time. This stuff will always change. No one would have, no one would have envisaged us dropping a clanger at Charlton like we did. No one would have envisaged Liverpool beating Manchester City and deservedly at Anfield, then seven days later losing, or six days later, losing to Nottingham Forest. <laughs> the variables do game. not always turn out the way you think they will. So, I've mentioned it on every pod since. I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan, but I still will come out with, were you really booing the Lincoln game? <laughs> were you really doing that? Because they go how many and beat Ipswich, but then what do Ipswich go and do? They beat Dar. It was either before or after Lincoln. They went and beat Derby. It was, yeah. it was on TV on the Friday night. This, this stuff happens. Football. What's your pre-match predictions, Jeff? 2 0. 1 0. 2 1. There you go. Sue's right. None of us probably. See, <laughs> nil, nil, we're, nil draw. we're not getting the predictions of Dickings anymore. <laughs> Do you know what? Talking of that, you saw the video I put in the group chat the other night when I was at Astoria and this guy came up to you, he's loving it. <laughs> he was saying, Make me dinner of the week. He, he was shouting, it's a dicking! <laughs> for God's sake, yeah. Jeff, what have you done? I was... I, I'll, just to wheel it back to Charlton for 10 seconds, I was semi-dreaming of Jeff to go gallows humour and post it's a dicking <laughs> after Charlton. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> well, I, it was. I, I did think about it. <laughs> well, it was. We were just so deflated on that Monday, Jeff. We were lucky that we could just turn the TV off and switch off and just chill out, chill out. I mean, poor bastards had to... My dad, <laughs> what a nightmare getting home that was for the people oh, the, got the train. The A3 being shut did not And help. the trains so and all sorts. We had we had an assist on the uh, alternative comms by Reese. You know, oh, that was brilliant. He, he was like chipping in every Them now and two are arguing. I'm just so, out so like, like, <laughs> Reese and I are arguing. I was like, and Reese kept calling Josh Griffiths, Josh Griffins. Josh Griffins. He goes, he goes, Josh Griffins is rubbish. I went, that's good, but he's... Uh, they he's kept bickering about Joe Morrell as well, didn't you? Yeah. I said, I, said, there's a, this, I said about the weird stat about we're better off, we pick up more points without Joe Morrell on the side. And he was like, oh, I suppose that's Joe Morrell's fault, was it? I suppose that's <laughs> and I was Joe blaming Morrell. everything on Joe Morrell. <laughs> See, this is alternative comms, right? It's just madcap and offbeat. I love Anything it. Anything that happened, I was blaming Joe Morrell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He said, I suppose that's Joe Morrell's fault. The water bottle would fall over. That's Joe Morrell's fault. They were having a proper... Oh, it was brilliant. It was great. It was great listening. We'll have to do that again if, um, it was great if we, yeah, we can't get to the games. <laughs> it was. Um, right, should we move on? We are nearly an hour in already. Uh, let's got another game to talk, talk about. about the Shrewsbury game, which is next... This Saturday. This Saturday, yeah. Ryan's underdogs. Ryan, Ryan's, Ryan's under. I, I'm glad uh, you recall I, this. I'm, I'm looking at the league table. I don't think we've ever covered Listen. this many games in one episode. Four games. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a first. To be honest, it felt like we did Listen. this every week at the end of uh, if, last season. If we don't win against Oxford and results go the wrong way, we go into that game on Saturday and it, and it, and it should be playing tomorrow. Uh, let's take a look. Are they playing tomorrow? Who yes, they they're playing Plymouth away. Right. Okay. So let's 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 you no know, by miracle Shrewsbury pick up a win. 
or they get a draw. We go into that game Saturday, bang out of form. We've just had a gritty performance against Forest Green. Whatever, the, whatever performance we get tomorrow, this this air one side of caution. Say we, we eke out a one nil win. We go go up against the underdogs of League One, and we're three points ahead, four points ahead. You know, we lose that one to a dogged Shrewsbury team who are, by their standards, pulling up trees at the moment. And all of a sudden, we we're we're down to seventh. They're they're in eighth. And, and we're, we're out of the playoffs and everything else if results go the wrong way. Now, I fully expect us to, like I said, win 2-0. But this Shrewsbury team, Steve Cottrell's got them, he's got them going this season. He's also got his connections in play because some of the signings they made were not very Shrewsbury-esque. No. Um, Including and, a certain Aidan O'Brien, which was quite surprising. Unfortunately, but he's, he's, yeah, injured, he's out yeah. injured long but term. That, that, this game Saturday, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be a walk in the park, and it will be. Look, it's never an easy game game against Shrewsbury anyway. But no. now you're going up a diff, against a different Shrewsbury, who are a totally different animal, who know where the back of the net is. You've said it numerous times, Ryan. They'll win the odd game, one nil, two nil. There's only one goal in it. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm looking at the table right, right now. Are like you talking about them being a different animal? I, I would say they're an even more efficient they're more animal efficient. than they were. Yeah, they're more efficient. Because at, there's only four sides in the league that have scored fewer goals than Shrewsbury, and they're tenth. But there's only like five sides in the league that have conceded fewer goals than Shrewsbury, and they're in tenth. So once again, they've played 14, scored 14, conceded 15. It's like playing it, Fleetwood again, isn't it? It is the most it is. And it'll be another, it'll, it will be ever. another Fleetwood scenario. Yeah. It will be another Fleetwood scenario. This, it, we are playing one of those stubborn teams again. Yeah. But this time, Shrewsbury's stubbornness so far, it might not go there the whole way because uh, my prediction was they'd be at best an, a proper outside playoff shot. And right now they're actually what three points off that they're well, they're on, holding at true. At one to point that. in Saturday, when results are going their way, they were six. They yeah. went to sixth so, place. And I still i I wouldn't call them certified yet, but they're, they're certainly uh, whispers in the conversation. They're, they'll be they'll be between six and eighth come the end of the season. They'll be, be occupying one of those three slots. I think that efficiency, a being hard to beat, is is already such a good platform to be on. If you're hard to beat in this division. It is it is a tough platform to beat, and I know I know Jacket got shit for it because in the end we were tough to beat, but we were always made it hard to win. Shrewsbury start to do the thing where they've they're, they're starting. They haven't done it all the way because again they are still only tenth, but they've started this season so far with the platform of being hard to beat. But then they've started to find on on occasion a way to win as well. So I'm not I'm not. When teams have given up the will to live because they're bored, senseless. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not necessarily any more worried about Shrewsbury this year than I am in any other year, even though they're having a better start than normal. Because I know what Shrewsbury will be anyway. You watch, stubborn we'll, team, we'll dick them on Saturday. Bad stubborn teams and good stubborn teams are inherently the same. They're stubborn. It's whether or not you can exploit their tightly locked flaws. Because stubborn teams... It, will try and protect their flaws as much as they can and see if they can find a win to weigh as almost a, an auxiliary task. So, a dicking... If we are going to dick someone this week, it's Oxford. <laughs> I love that phrase. Yeah. If we are but, going to dick someone this week, it is Oxford and probably not Shrewsbury. Now, I'm, 
I'll happily recant it if we do somehow put five what past ship? Shrewsbury. But like Fleetwood, everyone was saying we dick Fleetwood 4-0. And I was probably one of the few out there going, it ain't going to be like that. It is not going to be like that. And in the end, Fleetwood was nowhere near like that. It was quite interesting that Ryan referenced Kenny Jackett and Steve Cottrell in terms of dogged performance in that. You know, when I was playing football as a, as a kid in the 80s, you were told your primary aim is to defend the goal. Defend the goal. Not not go down the other end of score, not be expressive, not be play expansive football. It was. You will defend your goal, and if we can go down the other end and score one or two, we will. Yeah. Steve Cottrell, Kenny Jacket, same error, same error of football, you know, set very similar in in that dogged will be pragmatic, will be hard to beat, and it is that it is that old traditional style of football. Yeah. Score prediction, Ryan. Ten nil. <laughs> one nil again? Yeah. I think we're in for two one nils I, I, this week. I, I think it'll be a one nil. No, you said ten nil. Uh, I'm going to go one nil as well. So one nil all around, yeah. 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 Right, well. And just uh, while while we're here, I did actually see that Aidan O'Brien uh, is back. Apparently, uh, he was on the bench for Saturday. However, other notable players for Shrewsbury, for those who keep eyes on players for miscellaneous reasons, Che Dunkley. Uh, those who remember uh, may remember Chuck Dunkley I believe it was punching Brett Pittman when Paul Cook's in charge of Wigan when we drew 1-1 up there and getting a straight red for it and a certain Christian Saidi who was on trial for us in summer so naturally oh is he gone now is he yeah he's gone there yeah so yeah. there's a couple to keep an eye on as, as it re- uh, pertains to Pompey Links yeah we'll have to see what happens he was uh, he had a stormer for Bournemouth the other week didn't he the other last month yeah right features uh, Jeff you always go first you third eye I mean you must have some this week I have got some let me just bring up my notes brilliant <laughs> not that I've prepared to say no I like it when third eye takes up a whole notes Halloween decor's good in here <laughs> right so we'll we'll, we'll start no, with Charlton actually is, but look, at the, look at the ceiling behind you and, oh yeah my and, ex, my and this girlfriend. one this one was submitted by Reese. Okay. Joe Morrell. Yeah, Joe Morrell. <laughs> now, I need to go back and confirm this, but if you do have a certain iFollow uh, account, you can go back and watch the full match replay. Go back and watch Ronan Curtis just before he comes on. He is seen licking Vicks. Licking? Licking Vicks. So he's rubbing Vicks onto his top, and then he's seen licking his fingers. I'm glad you cleared that up, because I was like, who's Vicks? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's a bit odd isn't so, it so that's the only one I really had from one way to get it into your bloodstream um, that's, <laughs> that's the only one I have from uh, Charlton but Forest Green now there was a around about 35 minutes and Ryan you would have been in the in the open stand at Forest Green where the ball appeared to be going out and the ball boy gets up and he sprints 10 metres to go and yeah. catch the ball. And as it comes down, the wind catches it. It bounces on the line and goes back in play. And the Pompey fans go, way! <laughs> I remember the exact moment you're on about because I was looking up at that ball approaching us and hearing everyone go, way! And I was going, it ain't going out. I, 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 I hate to tell you, but it's not going out. You've wasted a worry there. How many times have we weighed a ball and... Uh, Fleetwood. It's, it's gone the opposite way. <laughs> Fleetwood. Ipswich, Fleetwood. There was a goal at Fratton Park scored by the opposition where we thought it was going out of yeah. play down by that the Fratton North Stand corner. Was it Fleetwood? 
Mendes no. Gomez. Who's Mendes Gomez? No, he's down for? by the flat north end corner. It was when Raggett scored the own goal. Plymouth. Oh, Plymouth. Plymouth, yeah, the first goal. We thought it was going out. He keeps it just in time. Whips the ball in and rag it. Yeah, and everyone goes, hey. Can you imagine if the Everton fans weighed when Matty Taylor thundercutted that shot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you shit. Oh. Um, I think the whole stadium just went silent when it so left the So it was the subliminal. Subliminal? Subliminal. I still can't say it. Failed speech. Don't do it again. From the Forest Green commentators. <laughs> so they were constantly bemoaning Danny Cowley being outside in the technical area. Oh, yeah, as were the home fans, by the way. And do you know what their analogy was? He's like a substitute teacher who the head headmaster is letting him do what he wants. He knows he's doing wrong, but he's a substitute teacher so he can get on with it. And I thought, you necky fuckers. You know he used to be a teacher, and that's why you're doing it. <laughs> also, who, who cares? Exactly. Of all the things that go on in a football game, and actually we'll, we'll bring this particular part up now, seeing as we're here. Forest Green moaning about indiscretions. Uh, first of all, who cares if a manager leaves his technical area? Like, honestly, does it make that much of a difference anymore? The main stand where they were, you could actually hear the fans from our side of the pitch. You could actually hear way over the other side, like Forest Green fans in their 50s, 60s, giving Cowley tox abuse for leaving his technical area. But to, to assume that, again, we're the bastards and everyone else is an angel... There was an incident in the second half where Forest Green started a counter-attack and I think it was March for FGR who absolutely bodies Ogilvie about 20 yards off the ball in front of the yes. Pompey fans. Yes. And we're all screaming for a foul because he's bodied him off the ball. Now, this is where deliberate uh, premeditated cheating comes into play because the exact moment he bodies Ogilvie for this uh, FGR counter-attack, everyone's backtracking. So you've got a back three in place and a huge gap at left-back. The moment Ogilvy gets sh uh, shoved to the floor, March goes into there and another Forest Green player. So two Forest Green players just happen to go sprinting into the exact space that's been opened up because Ogilvy's been sent into the land and win into the land of wind and ghosts, completely off the ball, missed by the officials because obviously they're watching the ball. Forest Green charge into that space. They get a ball into the box. It bounces around to the other side of the box and Forest Green actually get the closest they came to scoring all yeah. game it was that shot that fizzed right past the goal and out for a goal kick but that all started when Ogilvy got absolutely levelled off the ball they went straight into the space that opened up and that's how they got the ball in the box well, so once again it's the club saying like Ipswich that we're the bastards and no one, no one else does anything wrong against us. It's like Ipswich when they were time wasting at Portman Road. Yeah. Well, FGR Pompey. were doing the same underhanded bullshit they accused Cowley of. They were, they were fouling players off the ball for it. So, according to the commentators, Ogilvy wasn't playing. His oh, name was, I have his name was Ogil. Ogil. I have, Ogil. A, I have a third eye. You have a third eye? Yes. That's it. Um, no, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, all the way through the game, they were going, Ogil's got the ball. Ogil, Ogil, Ogil's been body checked. Ogil, Ogil, Zach, you not say Ogilvy? <laughs> I, I no, look, no disrespect because it was clearly a youngster, uh, but whoever's doing the PA, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to bring this up, so I'm glad you. He have. called Josh Coroma, Josh Corma, Josh Corma, <laughs> and the poor lad who honestly s sounded. He didn't even sound like a teenager. Oh, fuck he me. sounded younger than I'm a teenager. Sorry. I'm sorry, I should laugh. Not, 
could not pronounce Josh Olabiyemi's name at all. Neither can James. I feel his pain. I feel his pain. He was reading the team lineups. Ryan just shat himself as a balloon's gone off. He was reading the team lineups and he got to the bench as they'd come out onto the bench. He's Josh Josh. Josh, I'm on my way. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm not going to laugh too much because I had the privilege of being the PA at the um, Hampshire Cup game. It is bloody hard when you don't know these players, but that did tickle me. I'm sorry. Well, I'm I pretty sure laugh. most clubs either do or have an obligation to send not only a list of players, but their pronunciations <laughs> over. You'd be yeah, wrong. I said phonetically. Yeah. You'd be wrong. I just had to wing it against um, Southampton. Under twenty ones, I'd never heard of any of these players. Luckily, there was there wasn't too many that I couldn't pronounce. But yeah, I, I feel his pain. But no, I, I shouldn't, glory, I, shouldn't I, yeah, I shouldn't laugh. But it did make me laugh. Yeah, Josh Corma. I mean, my my favourite is still Hadji Monga. <laughs> I can't remember where we were for that. I think it was Bristol Rovers away. My late away. granddad used to call Lua 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 Lua. Lua I told Lua. you that one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Lua Lua. <laughs> but yeah, that, that did tickle me. I shouldn't laugh because it was like, uh, as any kid. Yeah, but it well, was I, funny. Coming out of this week, going into the podcast, well, we're going to have some good third eyes for this one. Yeah. There's been some bizarre stuff. There has. Should um, we move on to your one, then? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple third eyes from Forest Green. Oh, go on, then. Um, one was the livestock just all over the road. I, I just, it, It's like going into a different realm. One was the the hill at Forest Green. <laughs> the hill. I... The, di- the elevation difference between the only pub designated for away fans in the stadium is 210 feet. What? <laughs> Bullshit. I had mountain goats out there I and know. stuff. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And driving up it, like, I-, I just stayed at the ground because they've got, they've got like a pop-up fan zone thing for away fans. Driving up the hill... You could you could genu- genuinely like need to downshift at some point where where it got that steep, yeah, very very odd stuff. And loads of people were arriving at the ground, and they they were going that fucking hill. <laughs> it's like something of um, um, he dares SOS going to that SAS going to that yeah. game, isn't it? A hiking trip going he, to Florida. Who dares wins? Who whatever? What Boise? He who dares. Marlene. Marlene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just a Good couple one. of odd things from from Forest Green, but yeah. Another one. Um, didn't a certain Mr. Westwood get refused entry? Yes. I heard reports that Mr. Westwood was refused entry as he was found pissing outside oh, the away dear. entrance. However... <laughs> Definitely a third eye there. Not that this... Yeah. <laughs> not that this excuses his behaviour. There were reports too many reports for it to be a coincidence and therefore false that a fan took a piss in the away stand at half time I heard that in the stand like not in the toilet in the stand now no excuse the pun but that's taking the piss that that is taking the piss just want to get that so, so before everyone jumps on Westwood's back yeah. individually for being ejected from the ground, uh, there was a report, and again, it's way too many people reported it for it to be made up. That someone actually took a piss in the in the away stand in the standing section at half time, which Vulture. is just horrendous behaviour. Vulture. <laughs> right. Is there any more third eyes? Not that I'm aware of. Dub and Din. Dub and Din. Uh, who do we go? What do we go with first? I'll, uh, go, I'll go dub. I've got I've got a few things. To I talk like about when you end din. on din. Yeah, I've got a few things to talk about for din. Dub. Uh, I want. To, I was thinking first. 
Zach Swanson. Obviously, there's been a lot of question marks over when he's actually going to play. He came out of the shadows against Charlton, put in a competent second-half performance, put in a sturdy, steady 90-minute performance against Forest Green on his first start to get a clean sheet, get three points. I don't care that they're in the relegation zone. There's still a League One team. You still have to beat what's in front of you. He did his job on his one major fuck-up. He recovered that fuck-up well enough to prevent a goal. But I think I'm going to give it to Jay Mingi. Again, second half against Charlton, came on, drove the team forward. I think he got like three different Charlton players booked because he was that intense going forward. Really good first half against Forest Green that was a lot of the reason we could actually turn defence into attack. And of course, he won on his birthday. So I think A, coming in for his first league start, winning on his birthday, being a large part of the reason we did anything in that game in the first half. Yeah, I'll, I'll think give to Jamie Inge. We're a win on his first start. Honourable mention to Danny Cowley, who also won on his birthday. That's always a nice thing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give dub to Jamie Inge. Can't argue that. No. Oh, he was also called Jay Minji. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the recorder one was enough, but Minji, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. You could, you could arguably give me dinner of the week from last week for when I did the um, PA at Fratton. I almost announced the um, added time at half-time before the fourth official put his board up. <laughs> and the scummers were shouting, what the fucking hell was that? I was like, yeah, I deserved that. <laughs> I, I, I got on the mic and I was like, the fourth... Oh. <laughs> Oops, sorry. That, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was an experience, by I the way. I can imagine that was very fun for you. Yeah, I'd, well love done, to, mate. I'd love to do it again. I don't think they'll have me back. It's actually quite a nice view you have from that little... Oh, it's great. I, I, I don't think... Uh, I've never for those seen who it. are unaware, the control box that the announcers sit in <laughs> is that little box between the north stand and the north end in the corner. Stand, can I just, can I just tell you something? Yeah. This is, I've not sh shared this with anyone. I went to the wrong box. I sat in the box and I was like, surely not. What box did you go to? The, the old one. Oh, the old one. <laughs> the old one where it says BBC Sonant above it. And I was like, in surely. The stand, or in the, in the corner end. of the middle. And I was like, shut. It was open. So I, I went in there because they use it for other bits. And there, I was there like... There were rats in there. And I was like, you know. surely not. And I sat there really dazed. And they were like, where are you? I was like, in the box. Like, no, the other... Oh, fuck me. I was on the wrong side. What an idiot. What is it me and going to the wrong place? But yeah, and it was a great experience. So thanks to Matt for getting me in for that. It was... Um, yeah, and it was a great and result as well. Great result. to announce a Pompey win. I know, I know we didn't... Oh, we... I did a couple of... Uh, you know, I, I was like, <laughs> oh, and it's another one. It's the third. <laughs> yeah, it was great. No, I'm glad you enjoyed it, mate. No, yeah, I loved honestly, it again. That, that is actually a nice little few you had there. Yeah. Um, Did you uh, leave some stickers around? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You may as well, you know, pass the pod as it were. It was it was um, nice being sat right next to the to the scummers. Just another example of Mr. House getting preferential treatment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they even picked me up in an Uber and everything. To be yeah. fair, he did ask us should he do it or not. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I'm, but we know, I'm we know. Even when we said no, he was doing it. No, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> I just showed up anyway. <laughs> no, I, I didn't know if it was. A, I didn't know if it was a good idea or not. But clearly, yeah, it was. Um, but it was a great experience. Like Ryan says, more special treatment for me. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, dinner of the week. Dinner of the week. Few contenders, and this one I had. You're going to get dinner of the week if you don't put your microphone to your mouth. <laughs> So one of the contenders for dinner of the week is the guy who asked for it, the one that, <laughs> that we put on the podcast account. That was great. The one yeah. the, Give me dinner of the week. I was, like, oh, I was wetting myself. Honestly. I might do, but unfortunately there were, there were a few people that the bar girls were like, "What's he on about?" I was like, "Don't worry, <laughs> it's, it's fine." And even the security like, "Why is he saying give me dinner of the week?" It's, it's, like, it's right. fine. There is, there is a story behind this. Yeah. Uh, so he gets an honourable mention for dinner of the week because <laughs> there are there are people who actually deserve dinner what of the a week. Guy. 
mourn him. Uh, they won't. They won't get dinner of the week. But I feel I should give them a an honourable or dishonourable mention, depends how you perceive it. There's a section of Pompey fans at the game on Saturday, towards the end of the first half, absolutely berating the other Pompey fans in the away section, like screaming at them. Obviously, the atmosphere was quite quiet at Forest Green. Actually, well, I say quite quiet. I'll be honest, it was it was re really quiet. One of the quietest games I've probably ever been to away from home anyway. But I think there are factors into this. The way the away stand is structured, you're along the side of the pitch. So it's only about six rows deep. And then you're sp spread from corner flag to corner flag. There's no roof. You're all crammed in together. It's raining. It, it's really not a good vibe. And then you've not had the chance to get rowdy in Nailsworth because it's not Newcastle or Sheffield. So there's a lot of factors into place to why the atmosphere quiets down. One of the main things is there is no roof. All the sound just gets sucked out into the sky. And again, you're not you're not huddled in together in in a singular setting. You are 110 yards apart from fan to fan because you're along the side of the pitch. But yeah, about the 35th, 40th minute, there's a there's a group of Pompey fans. Can't be more than telling them. They were absolutely screaming at the Pompey fans, saying uh, their support is embarrassing, their support is shit, that this is an away day, and you su you're supposed to be fucking supporting Portsmouth. Uh, and I, I couldn't take it anymore. I, I had to I had to go back at them. I had to go back at them, and I I, I went back at them saying, it's October, it's pissing it down. We are on a concrete block on the set of Emmerdale. There isn't a train station for an hour. The what? Sorry. On the way. <laughs> on the set of Emmerdale. There isn't a train station for an hour. That's tickle me. This uh. is the third tier of English football. Oh, and people are still dropping in this financial climate of all climates. Money to get a ticket. Money to get transportation to and from this fucking lonely hill. Where there's nothing to do. Eating a sausage roll that tastes of cardboard. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Stop it, because I need a wee. Don't make me laugh. They're crowned yeah, in I like sardines well. onto this concrete <laughs> block. All to what? In this very uncertain time, to watch third-tier football. If you're dropping your money to do that, and if you're making the effort to stand on a rainy, pissy, exposed concrete block on a farm on the top of a hill, you're okay in my book. Now, I get it. We like atmospheric games. We like raising our arms and song. But I will not have Pompey fans screaming at other Pompey fans saying that they're embarrassing and that they're shit and screaming abuse at them. And when I, when I fired back saying, but they're still here. They're still spending their money in this shit time to watch Pompey in the middle of fucking nowhere in League One. They're not shit. They're not embarrassing. And if you'd have been at Charlton on Monday night, I mean, you two probably heard us on the TV. We we would not shut up at 3-0 down, 2-0 down, 1-0 down. There were several factors into why Forest Green was never going to be a good away day for the atmosphere. Again, we're spread far too thin and wide. There's no roof. It's pushing it down. It's not a good away day because you can't just get a train outside the front door and go on the piss for five hours. It doesn't work like that when you play Forest Green. It's just not possible. Then, of course, they start abusing me and giving me all sorts of shit. I was like, well, Saturday what, what was, was my... It, what was the demographic of these? They, they appeared to be in their 20s. Now, my, my point about this, to round it off, Saturday was my 750th Pompey game. Is that now, it? 
I'm in my twenties. It's a it's a good number for for someone in their twenties. But and this this is the important thing. There are people my age who will have done more games than me because I, I was only able really to start doing away games about a decade ago. Before that, I was only able to do home games a season to get older. So there'll be people of my age who have done more than that. But there'll be people 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years older than me doing this Pompey traveling around the land bullshit, this properly draining experience financially and emotionally for double the length of my lifetime, double the length of the, the lifetimes on the people Saturday giving them shit who have done thousands, you know, plural, thousands of games. Some of those fans have probably done upwards of 2,000 games. And they've got some uppity jumpstart Pompey fans on a concrete block saying they're shit and they're embarrassing. I'm not fucking having it. You're embarrassing for thinking you have the divine right to stand there in Narnia saying some 60-year-old Pompey fan who's been watching this fucking football club for 50 of his 60 years that they're embarrassing. Fuck off. I'm not having it that these people who do this every single week and have done for decades deserve more than the treatment they got from this small section of support on Saturday. And even though they gave me a load of shit after I called them out, I didn't hear any of it in the second half. I didn't hear any of them abusing our fans. And there was also a certain hypocrisy about them saying we're supposed to be supporting fucking Portsmouth. Because after we had this tirade back and forth exchange, there was a chant a couple of minutes later saying, you can stick your fucking vegan up your ass. Well, how does that benefit us? How does that... <clears throat> if Zach Swanson's blown out of his ass because it's his first league start and Raggett goes over to him and says, you're a bit leggy there, mate. You're right. I'm just struggling, mate. You know, I've not played this sort of intensity of football before in my lifetime. I'm, I'm just struggling to keep up with the, the speed of it. I just, you know, I just need something, a, a little bit of a boost, a little bit of adrenaline boost to get me going. Now, this is where the... You'd, ideally, I don't know how much it does affect certain players, but ideally, the fans kick in and give them a little, bit, little boost. Imagine five minutes later, Raggett comes going, you're right, mate. You're, you're looking a bit perky now. They say, yeah, I feel much better now. I had about 15 of our fans talking about the Forest Green fans wrapping a piece of tofu around their sphincters. And that, that's, given me, that's given me all the energy in the world now to get through until half time. I feel much fucking better for that now. Oh, dear. Like, <laughs> Why is my head playing? My, my, my mind's playing tricks on me now. I get that thought out of my head. <laughs> yeah, it, it just annoyed me. Like, I get it. I, I get it. I, I know exactly the concept of it. We want to be loud at games, especially on the road. But don't be calling Pompey fans shit and embarrassing, especially when some of them, like, they, I, they, they were clearly in their 50s and 60s. They've been doing this shit a lot longer yeah. than all of us put together. Yeah. Well, I'm on 750 <laughs> in my 20s. They are definitely in their thousands. The sort of people that would do these fake limbs just for a fucking video, isn't it? I, I just thought it was disrespectful to them. Yeah. Do you know, not not do you every know, game is going to be a playoff game at Hillsborough. Do you know how we should end your rap? Your, end, end your rant. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need sound effects on this podcast <laughs> so to, to those fans doing it look if it was just a one time thing and you lost your head I'll accept it and hopefully at the next game you you won't go out calling Pompey fans shit and embarrassing yeah. but I had to say something and everyone else fair enough yeah but that's not even dinner of the week <clears throat> oh my god <laughs> Marlon Pack I thought was going to get dinner of the week Again, for getting sent off in one game, which meant he misses the other game in a week. That's a good contender. But 
Gentlemen, yes, you guessed it. You predicted this all along. The dinner of the week was the obvious winner. The drinks company, can of water. No, I, oh no, you didn't have that predicted. Okay. No. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I get to the new lawn on Saturday, and obviously they're a vegan club, and they're also an eco-friendly green club. Nothing wrong with that. We do have to look after our planet. And the, 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 they didn't sell anything plastic. So if, you, if you've bought a water, like I did when I got there, it wasn't a bottle of water, it was a can of water from the company called Can of Water. And it's all about how cans are recyclable and they're resealable and it's much healthier for the environment. Uh, if you pack the cans into crates, it takes up 40% less mass than bottles of water, etc., etc. It's better for the environment. Then I thought there's always a catch for this sort of thing. And I put my keen eye to it, yeah? <coughs> Gentlemen, would you like to guess where this eco-friendly can of water, which is better than bottled water, would you like to guess where the water was sourced? Peru. Austria. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Austria. Now, if you go onto their website, it's all about pollution and plastic contaminants. <laughs> and there's a live ticker of, uh, since you entered this website, how many... I think it's kilos of plastic have been dumped into the ocean and that thing moves like the uh, generate, uh, generation wheel when you have to spin it really quickly. And it's loads of statistics on, on how the planet's being affected. And this is all well and good. Then you get down to transportation. And the only thing in transportation is we're still working on a way to make that better for the environment. <laughs> but we, we had to do it in Austria because it tastes better and it's much better quality. Now, gentlemen, I had this water. It tastes like water. I'm sorry to say it. I've had water from the Scottish Highlands. It's pretty much the same. So all this, this they're, they're Instagram environmentalists. It's a very nice front to put on saying you're eco-friendly and you're green and it's much better to do cans and plastic, but you still sent it on 4,000 fucking trucks through the Alps, through <laughs> France, across the channel, so the water you're saying is better than plastic water, the water you don't want dumping into the ocean. you then got 4,000 trucks going right through the big wobbly bit that separate, separates Britain from the rest of the fucking world. You, you need to watch Sea Spiracy. Have you ever watched that, Sea Spiracy? I have not watch it do you know do you know who the biggest pollutant of i'm going off topic here biggest pollutant of plastic <laughs> in the sea go on david fishing yes yeah fishing yeah who'd go not fishing? your plastic stores from mcdonald's yeah fishing who'd go fishing, fishing nets. yeah and the people who sponsor the people the main people who are beyond plastic in the sea are the fishing industries don't get me started on that and i'm gonna read from uh the site Talk amongst yourselves while I find it. I'm going to read from the site as to, again, their transportation. This baffled the shit out of me, this did. I could not believe what I was seeing. So you go down to the transportation section about how they get it from Alps to, in this instance, Nailsworth. We're always working on ways to reduce the miles of our cans. Right now, the Alps is the best place we can source our water for the taste and quality we're after. So, in other words, you could have found another place that was providing perfectly adequate drinking water, but you chose to go to the Alps because it's really fucking good. In other words, you're choosing quality over eco-friendly. You're just like the rest of us then. You could have gone to Scotland, which is about 500 miles closer than the Alps of Austria, and done it there. And again, Scottish water is still perfectly good. I haven't got dysentery. Dins. 
sense. What's the fucking point if you're going to drive it across half of Europe? <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a valid point. So is that your deal of the week? Yes. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> so how much was a can of water? Two pounds. Jesus. Oh, it's not, not cheap. Feels not cheap, mate. What do you expect? <laughs> there you go. Plus the diesel's through the roof. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Those trucks have to drive a long, long way. <clears throat> Assuming yeah. it was a truck, not Hon- Honestly, this site's got so many different things about how it's great, how the planet's being fucked, and then down in transportation, it's like, yeah, we're working on that. <laughs> Brilliant. That's nice. Oh dear. So double dinner of the week, third eye. You still haven't done your feature. I know. It's the technical. It's the technical. Get some fucking headphones and I'll do it. All right, there you go. Oh, it's our fault now, yeah, is, is it? It's our fault you can't come up with a tier matrix. Yeah. <laughs> it's our fault that Liam need, had to ask the listeners need, to get a feature and need, then didn't do anything about you it. You need to be able to hear what I'm doing. That's my excuse. Once you've got headphones, we're off. What is your feature then? I've told you. I'm going to do a little quiz. I'm going to I'm going to play some audio. I'm going to do all sorts of little bits. It's going to make it fun. So, but you need headphones. So uh, we'll do that for next time. Uh, he, was the, he was doing the manager rants. The league yeah. table of manager rants. Yeah. That's coming on as top well. Gear. That's coming as well. Don't Blaming worry. Someone else but for again, your own He doesn't problems. even know, does he? You- <laughs> oh, it's never my fault. They do, don't, don't they? <laughs> don't do impressions. <laughs> 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 oh dear. Right, any other business? Anything else going on? No, you're looking at me like I'm a dickhead. <laughs> I don't have any other bit. Um, oh, oh, I've got something exciting. Right, tomorrow, if you come to the fan zone, come and grab your three lads in the pub, beer mats, because I've got them in the car ready to go. Very nice. Come and see me at the fan zone. I was a bit worried that they were shit, right? Because when I ordered them, I thought, oh, they're really flimsy. But I've just picked the one up here. I'm not going to name the brand. And it's exactly the same. Perfect. So come and grab as many as you want. We've got like a thousand of them. So take as many as you want. And uh, yeah, some stickers as well. I've got visions of three lads in the pub beer mats being thrown onto the turf at Fat Park. I stuck one. Like, like, like frisbees. Like frisbees. <laughs> like ninja throwing stars. <laughs> I stuck a three lads in the pub sticker on my mate's car earlier. And uh, he, he saw it this afternoon and sent me a picture calling me a twat. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah promo, any promos? Good promo. This is going to be an interesting second half where we're attacking the Fratton. And hopefully, even though we seem to get turned around every every home game now, Marco yeah. Morosi's trying to focus on a Pompey counter-attack and there's just three lads in the pub pin match flying <laughs> from every angle. You know, like, you know, when it's a really boring game and people throw paper aeroplanes, it's just going to be frisbees of three lads in the pub um, beer mats. <laughs> Uh, right, anything, anything else or are we all good? I think we're all good. I think we're all good. Thank you very much to the guys here at the Old House at Home. Great venue. We love it here. It's proper Pompey. Uh, we've come down on a Monday night and uh, they've uh, catered well for us. So thank you as ever for that. And thank you, uh, Ryan and Jeff. Ryan, get back soon, mate. You're need your voice tomorrow. I'm mostly there. When you're booing. <laughs> no, I am joking. Oh. Um, and Jeff, thank you, mate. Always a pleasure. All oh, right, I thought you were going to just ignore me. Just uh, he, he gave you such. No, a... no, no. I was looking at what pub we're in next week. Where's that? Ship Anson. Oh, nice, nice one. Don't eat before we go. Indeed, <laughs> I will be doing um, just a bit of a shameless promo because why not? If you've got any kids, bring them along to. You coming? I'll be going. Yeah. Uh, Mini Ravers on Sunday at the Portsmouth Guildhall. It's my little event I do all over the world, all over the country. World, I wish all over the country. You can go clubbing with your kids. There'll be a lot of. Um, a lot of Pompey there. Ryan's going to be I there. I told you, that used to be called Joanna's back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, bring bring Reese with you for a laugh. That'd be funny. <laughs> and I'll do a shout out to Joe Morell. Uh, yeah, if you've got any, if you've got any uh, youngsters, any age really, you know, how old's your little girl? 
She's one. Well, she loves it. You know, uh, if you've got toddlers, teenagers, they all love it. So come along and, uh, yeah, just drop us a message. We'll sort you out a little discount as well if you're a listener of the podcast. Uh, yeah, enjoy. And uh, we'll see you, hopefully, three, three points tomorrow night at home to Oxford. Uh, and we will see you next week for another edition of Three Lads in the Pub. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.